Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. From America, this is the Adult Swim Podcast, Rick and Morty Companion Edition. Here we go. I'm Matt Harrigan with me, Maxime Simonet. Hello, Max. Hey there, Matt. This is me with you. We're talking about Rick and Morty number 410, Star Mort, Return of the Jedi. It's like pronounced like Jedi, Matt. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get the Star Wars thing, okay? If you haven't watched it yet, you might want to watch it first. We're getting some spoilers gathered here in our virtual world. Digital world. Got some all-stars tonight. Get your dumb questions ready. Director, Erica Hayes. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. Ann Lane, who wrote it. Welcome, Ann. Hey, thanks for having me. Lead prop designer, Brent Knoll. Hello. And esteemed associate producer, Steve Levy. Hey, y'all. Welcome, guys. Episode 410, Star Mort, Rick Turn to the Jerry. Steve, let me ask you this first. Oh, boy. Okay. You've been, uh, mm-hmm. you've been at this Rick and Morty thing for a long time, since... Since how long? How how are episodes sort of parsed out? How are they timed to air? There's a little bit of a rearrange at the beginning of the season. Walk us through how these episodes, how they get scheduled. We try to break as many stories as we can um, (laughs) when we start and see what sticks and eventually gets launched to beat sheet, outline, script. Um, Sometimes some of those... Don't make it to thumbnail or animatic. Um, but ultimately, when something really, you know, the sticks and it becomes a, a real episode, these days it's pretty much you're, you're locked into the production schedule. So you don't have that much wiggle room in moving the episodes around. Um, but we have had circumstances where an episode was written third or fourth, but then had to be kicked to later in the season just because of the amount of changing we were doing to it. So you see, this is a a big episode and it feels like the end of the season. Was it always supposed to be at the end of the season? Um, not necessarily. Uh, and I believe wrote this beat sheet outline, uh, over a year ago. And, um, it was probably within the between 406 and 410 it could have landed depending on when we figured it out but it took a little bit cuz it was so many elements and it ended up being a really cool finale uh reviews say incredible breathtaking heartbreaking incredibly fun instant classic and cool. do you agree oh yeah I, but i i have to it's such a group effort that like I think Erica's talent and uh, Brent's talent, everyone's talent in, in this, in this, the artists are fucking incredible. Like the script started, it, it took a lot of work and there was a lot of patience from the, 
the crew and the production team in terms of like, hey, we're going to re-break this part of it. Hey, we're, like, and I, by a lot of patients, I mean like an insane amount of patients uh, in <laughs> figuring out how to <laughs> tell uh, this story. But I think, I mean, it's, uh, I, I can't take any credit. I'm very happy to be part of it. Erica, are you the most patient person on the staff being the director? She is. Wow. I'm glad it comes off that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I try to be, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's a cartoon and it's just supposed to be fun. So you can't, you can't get too caught up in the little things, I guess. <laughs> Erica's relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Brent, give us your perspective of the perception of Star Wars in the in this production unit. Do people love oh, the, Star Wars? Do oh, the perception, <laughs> right? The perception of the crew of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, dude, I don't want to speak for every everyone, but Star speak Wars like, used to be cool. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I'm not into it anymore. Uh. When did I it think, stop yeah, being it just, cool? It just feels big and expensive and like you're supposed to trope it at some point and then it's, it becomes an obligation and it's expected that you're supposed to trope it and then that that's... I mean, I, I don't like feeling obligated to do stuff. <laughs> like We <laughs> want to do stuff because we like it. So I think that Dan's commentary on we're going to do another Star Wars is, is appropriate. I mean, I'm not... I don't... Dude, I can't take over the writing. Like That's, that's you guys. But when I see it... I feel like there's like, I'm like, yeah, I agree with this. Like, <laughs> yes, don't need another one. Definitely Dan's uh, take is just, fuck. Uh, <laughs> let's take this phone caller's question. Okay. okay. Hey, you're on the line. We're talking about Star Wars Droid Workshop, the video game where you build droids and did physics-based puzzles. Oh, I remember that. I watched a yeah. review of that. <laughs> What's your question? Hey, is it, oh. Hi, um, it's Alex. I'm from Long Beach, California. Um, great episode, by the way. And I was just um, wondering when Rick was fighting um, Phoenix person and he had like his guts all out, what was what else was in his body or stomach, actually? Oh, that was, uh, I think Justin did a lot of that. Um, I think I had to touch it like a little bit, but I don't know. Erica, do you want to say something? Did you try um, to I, I... I think that was a design addition because okay. it wasn't in the boards. I'll, I'll speak for think. Justin. I'll speak for Justin since he he probably did it, but he's not here. But basically, like whenever you see inside Rick, he has some he has some kind of tech in him. It's not quite like an exoskeleton like Wolverine or something like that. But there's going to be bits and pieces <laughs> that he's added to himself that you're never really supposed to know and understand what it is. Um. Like, I mean, there's a, I feel like there's moments when like robot like spines like fly out of him or something like that. But I mean, it was just a nice gag where you can see like a mechanical stomach and then he drinks the alcohol and it goes through. And like, that's, that's the important part that you're supposed to see. Like it's, there's a hole, but you know, yeah, you that just, he's, he's not you gotta totally, make it look real. He, he's, he's built to last that Rick. Yeah. Yeah. He like. This is the closest I think we've ever seen him come to death. So this is like where we for sure get him yeah. inside out and show you that stuff. Erica, walk us through that uh, the the fight scene, amazing fight scene. 
and yeah, can I can I piggyback on that? And I'm I was wondering specifically in regards to that and the organ stuff we see. At what point in the process was it deliberately decided to pay homage to more recent Mortal Kombat games? Is that something in the script or something you guys found? So the the whole fight sequence was sported by uh, Doug Olson. He did an incredible job. Um, when he specifically requested that sequence to board, and um, he he asked me if he could, you know, go all in and, and make it kind of anime inspired as well. Um, and a lot of motion. You know, I've, I've worked with Doug before, and and I I knew I could trust him with something like that. So I was just like, yes, go for it, go crazy. And he, when he gave it back to me, I was just like, I was blown away. I, I no notes. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. He boarded it actually originally to like this intense thrasher music. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a it felt like a oh, DC yeah. anime music video for a while. Heavy metal, like uh, yeah, yeah screamer. Screamo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Dan it, was like, I know is, we all love this temp, but it's got to be dry. It's got to, we got to just hear the brutality of this fight between two yeah, best buds. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, he he just kept coming up with new ideas and and bringing them to me, and and I was I basically said yes to everything because it was all brilliant. So he gets he gets full credit for that whole fight sequence. He knocked it out of the park. Does that include yeah. like the weapons that kind of become improvised or come out of their bodies at all times? Does he invent? Oh all yeah, those in yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 was just come. We were just like going back and forth about ideas, and he was just coming up with some awesome stuff. Doug Olson. Doug Olson. Doug is the keeper of the CRT TV. He put an old school CRT in the kitchen. It's and awesome. Brought VHS tapes and just plays old VHS tapes all the time. <laughs> yes. To keep it. To keep and Doug the, was promoted to um, director not not soon after that episode. So. Do you think it was because of that fight scene? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did a great season five episode. Yeah. Caller, what do you so have to say about that? that? I was just wondering uh, how long you guys had the finale planned out for. Um, like, when did you know this is when you wanted Bird Person and Tammy to come back? Lane, you want to take that one? Uh, I, I don't um, I don't want to, you know, reveal too much of the mystique of how, you know, how things get made. But I think that it it just by the time we reached the point where this was fomenting into an episode, we, we these characters come back in because the story beats needed them and it just made too much sense for canonical stuff is difficult with this show and should be and we just i don't know i think that's it it was a bit um it, it that's part of why there was so much patience needed is uh just making sure that this isn't the wrong time to bring them back in and totally. to, to use them we discussed it from day one of season four, I think, like, is Beth a clone and what does that mean for the rest of the show? And I, you know, we took pretty much the whole season to really land that plane. Um, lots of ideas were thrown around. Um, and we finally, we finally felt like we nailed it. We, we got to work. <laughs> How do you guys approach that in general with some of these, You, you because of all the genres and feelings of suspense that you channel 
there there are moments where you can go to a deep lore, but you never want to give too much because the shows always seem to be more about enjoying the circumstances than making a big nerdy Bible for the whole world. <laughs> but it also people are demanding for more of it back. How, how do you guys, how do you know it's like the right moment? For instance, this was the right moment for bird person and Tammy. How, how, how'd you guys come to that conclusion? For, for at least for me, it, it, it comes down to like a thing of um, the show is predicated on nothing matters. Everything's chaos. Come watch TV. Uh, there's a multiverse. There's infinite use. There's infinite me's. There's no way to do anything right. There's no way to do anything wrong morality is relative all of that kind of stuff but if that were really true then we wouldn't really i think what we side with with morty a lot of the time is him going but it does matter because we have feelings and we've got needs and this is my and my grandpa and my sister and uh if it was just the rick show maybe we'd never have canon at least for me, it, it feels like recognizing, like, God, humiliating as it is, uh, Rick is a human and therefore has canon and doesn't want to acknowledge it a lot. Yeah. And Lane, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, I think we started with, well, if, if Beth is a clone, if there's a clone Beth out there, a space Beth, um, what would she be doing would she be similar to Rick kind of like in the 308, 309? What was the, 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 the Fruby land episode hit the speech there when he's giving her the choice to, to leave or to stay. Um, and we were like, we thought pretty hard about space Beth and felt that she would be close to Rick, uh, in terms of what she's capable of and, and what she's doing. And, of course she'd go down the rabbit hole of fighting the, the Gromflamites just like her, her, her dad did. Um, and so I think that's kind of how we, we started down that path and then brought it back around. Well, if you, you know, if, if the, uh, first order equivalent to the Gromflamites empire, which Rick trashed, uh, is back, then aren't, Tammy and bird person or Phoenix person. So I think that's kind of how it, it all fell in line. Are these conversations that you're actively having in the writer's room or are these sort of, you're walking down the hall and you bump in somebody? <laughs> how do these things come up? Are these, are you, are you legitimately sort of sitting all day contemplating these things? Oh yeah. Wayne, you want to talk more on that? I was just going to say, I think it's a mix. Sometimes we talk about it for a long time. Sometimes it'll occur. It's, uh, it's hard to have some, like, it, yeah, it's, I, there's no rhyme or reason, in, in yeah. my opinion, to, like, how it, yeah, ends uh, up on screen. <laughs> Ann and Steve, uh, I don't know if you guys want to talk about this, but there was, a, there was like, an original draft of the script, uh, and I, there's, like, there's two versions. I mean, what do you... What are your thoughts oh, on, there the, was on the like first version? Five versions. Oh, first version. Oh, yeah, there oh, were man. so <laughs> many. Because there was there was some really funny stuff with like, the garbage truck that. Yes. Oh, was interesting. We should oh talk God. about the garbage, garbage truck, the garbage please. Garbage truck. 
<laughs> Tell that us. was that was amazing. That the, yeah. the pitch meeting for that was great. I think I think if we want if you guys want to talk about that, that was I think Lane and Erica should walk us through yeah. the garbage truck. <laughs> I have very scattered, like, uh, I, I think I, I, yes, I would love Erica to field this one. There's a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> God, it it was so long ago. I'm trying to even remember. I think, yeah. so I think originally the, the, the garbage truck with the invisibility <laughs> belt thing, like that was Morty and Summer's, um, whole storyline for that episode it was like, they get the invisibility belt and then you know the same exact thing in the tag where uh it, the somebody runs into a garbage truck and and all that stuff but they would have gotten into the garbage truck and they would have just had it throughout the whole episode it even like the garbage truck itself even made it onto the gromphalmite ship originally the best part of the episode <laughs> yeah it was really a showstopper moment yeah, yeah. Oh, oh and, and it just like started crushing gromphlamites like and they were just like getting like totally flattened and didn't know how and gary yeah, was, was driving a- it and was doing such a bad job he was like in this hallway it was like if the stormtroopers came oh, out yeah. of the death star hallways and were shooting at like han and chewie running through but instead it's gary in a garbage truck driving it and being terrible in this like really tiny hallway reversing back and forth overall and there was there was this joke in the script that was written about like unsuspecting gromphomite henchmen and then like a sound cue like a beep 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 Beep, and the garbage truck just running over people and and then there was a shot where we had him just like running back and forth and back and forth over this pile of gromphomite corpses and it just kept getting like worse and worse and worse. It, it was and I really. Think he was at, and he had like a road rage, and Jerry was finally like winning and just eviscerating people, and had no qualms about it. Yeah, yeah, there was a point where like he like fully went rogue, and Jerry went nuts around the Gromphalmite ship. I think this is like even separate from the. Yeah, there were many iterations of this story, but I love the joke area of the garbage truck uh, hallway being just the oh. least heroic thing you could possibly do. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. What made that yeah. change? What made what 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 was the impetus for the uh drifting I think from as, that? As funny as it was when we got it back in thumbnail, Dan felt like it wasn't really this it wasn't helping the story enough and we I mean we 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 figured out a cleaner way through it after the thumbnail. Yeah, but we they, yeah. I think everybody still wanted to save some little piece of that storyline because we all loved it so much. So Yeah, and that's how it ended up as the tag. The tag. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Lane, do you, do you remember your original title for the episode which is amazing but we couldn't do it because it revealed too much? <laughs> it was I don't have a good memory. It was Starmort Bethisode 2 Rick Tack of the Clones. Whoa. Oh my <laughs> oh. god. <laughs> We couldn't, oh, no. we couldn't do it obviously because it would have given away the whole episode. Um, yeah, but... right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was pure Anne Lane amazing title Wonderful. right there. Very dumb. You're on the line with the Rick and Morty Companion Podcast live. What's your name, phone man? Uh, my name is AJ. So, I w- really good episode last night. Um, I was really curious about the ending track. Like, how far down do you guys plan that? Or, like, 
you guys go with like a scratch track and all the way through and it's like oh let's write this now yeah, yeah. um we actually used a scratch track pretty far on um i don't know at what point ryan elder uh, it was pretty late in the game i think it was march we were going back through the back five episodes saying okay where do we want songs and that was one area that elder was had flagged first and he worked with one of his friends uh to write that entire song and it was beautiful perfect for that moment yeah i, I think originally i used a, a low roar song as a placeholder but um yeah we got an original track so that's pretty cool it's available on all the things i, I want to say spotify iTunes, but i've seen it on youtube, YouTube and everything yeah yeah you guys are putting a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of the songs out this season rat wall yeah, in the chat uh interjects a lot of the humor and emotion happens in the characters nonverbal reactions how much of that is decided in the writing versus by the animators big question definitely an erica thing um I would say like the microfacial expressions and things like that is, is definitely the artist's choice. Um, but you know, the script will often, uh, he'll like, it'll say if Rick is, is, is kind of feeling down here or if, or if this is maybe a serious moment, you know, the script will have the cues for that. And then the artist will go in and, and really give it that emotion that it needs. Let's talk real quick about uh, Sarah Chalk playing two slightly different versions. How does that go down? That's a pretty uh, amazing performance. Oh, yeah. Double, double Chalk. Yeah. yeah. She, I mean, she you can speak to that. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can a little bit. I can speak to like how like just from like a fan perspective, like I think that. <laughs> Watching the show, I think Beth and Summer are some of the heroes that are not utilized as much in terms of like the depth and the the comedy that we can bring to this sci-fi world uh, from their perspectives. And it was, uh, I think the the first, yeah, I, it was a delight to be able to write double Sarah Chalk stuff because she's just, I mean, with the duplicity of being Rick's daughter of like what. I don't know. It, she navigated it really well. She's really, really talented. But you had to write the two different versions. Yeah. Not easy, it, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's 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 not easy, but it is to like reconcile with like. I mean, I think everyone probably has at least one figure in their life that you, at the same time, admire and resent, and it doesn't have to be your father figure. It can be, you know, anyone and it's a complicated relationship to have and hers is especially so for sci-fi reasons going in was the assumption that this episode was going to have some connections to star wars or was it just the fact a rebellion was happening it felt like star wars and then you uh that started being built into it i think it came out organically right Anne? i think that just the nature of it being that um rick is tired of star wars rick is tired of Star Wars because he used to do it, kind of that kind of stuff. And now his daughter, one version of her, is doing it. And it's not so much about the Star War itself. It's more about the fact that like it is something that Rick has a very distinctive relationship with is doing a Star Wars 
hack and dumb and whatever and he's given up and he doesn't give a shit and whoever's ruling the universe like you just want to be left alone and then Beth like changing her perspective as she explores her agency and power to be I think it's interesting to have that dialogue in terms of like a Star Wars thing between a father and daughter of like why do a Star Wars why not do a Star Wars uh, does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a phase that everyone goes through when you achieve that <laughs> level of sci-fi-ness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had my Hot Topic phase, and if I was a super scientist, I might have a Star Wars phase. Brent, did you find yourself deliberately leaning into Star Wars homage or away from it when it came to uh, there wasn't today? There wasn't an opportunity to do anything super specific Star Wars on my end. Uh, I drew the... Um, Beth's uh, clone Beth spaceship, which was originally supposed to look like Rick's UFO. So like I was like trying to look at, okay, what if what if like Rick has like he's good at making like this one type of spaceship, like it's like this UFO looking thing. It's round, has a bubble on it, but then he made one for Beth, and she's enhanced it a lot and add a lot of modifications and it has guns on it but it like also looks super cool so if, if you look at them they have like the same base structure but hers is all asymmetrical and it has like x-wing or ha has like tie fighter wing on it so it it has that one curved element on the side uh that you'll see um and other than that it's it's a lot of like hand waving star wars like it's like oh the grapplemites they're the new order but the grapplemites have their own design language and they're just they look like bug stuff how do you guys uh track down design language for like the Gronfelmites or, or any civilization that you routinely explore max it's pinterest we know this already. oh damn it <laughs> uh well the Gronfelmites, i can't speak to the characters because that was actually you know those came from the pilot but at some point during season two they came back and we were like we need a spaceships for them and that's when we started coming up with that stuff. And I drew a bunch of like bug inspired spaceships and gave them to James McDermott, the art director. And he honed in on a few and started mashing them together and creating this one long one that looked like a dragonfly. And it had two red eyes on the side that were kind of like where it sees, but then there's also a bulbous cockpit. And then at the same time, the background designers were doing a lot of stuff with like uh, slanted triangles um, and things that kind of look like, you know, space military fascists, but also neon green things and like trapezoid doors. And that's kind of how all that stuff started. So it's like a little bit bug inspired, a little bit sci-fi and a little bit like, yeah, that, that slanty like trapezoid Death Star looking stuff. Something I feel like I noticed in comments more and more recently on like clips and shit being posted on YouTube for the newer episodes is it seems like what I think people used to criticize about the Rick and Morty fandom, which was like a reverence to Rick Sanchez, has really faded away. Are you guys noticing this in the fan base? But partly because so. you guys are presenting him so, so flawed and, and like crumbling yeah. away his veneer of perfection. How do you guys feel about that? And are you taking steps deliberately to do that more? 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. There was never a moment where we were like season four is the season in which Rick is. I think it was just the result of story breaking that happened to happen uh, during that season. And then also, I think that like, I don't know, I, I, I started writing for the show on season four. So there was an idea in my head of what Rick is from being a fan of the show and bringing a side of him that is, you know, less, uh, just like, we know he's badass. We know he's the smartest man in the universe. Like, what else is there to explore? And what does he want us to not talk about? What does he want to talk about? Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. For me, it's more interesting to tell stories about the parts of him that he would rather not, not. talk about. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's always the most interesting I also part think for me. I also think the fan base is, is very self-aware. Like, they'll start getting on a a tangent about something and building a narrative and and become closer and closer to like becoming like completely idiotic and then one person will like say something that's way too far and then everyone will look at it and be like oh my god they're holding up a mirror this is me and then they stop thinking about that kind of stuff <laughs> like there was a there was a lot of the like people who were like you have to have a super high IQ to like understand Rick and Morty until the meme came out and then everyone saw the mirror being held up to their face until like, what came out the the, the 200 the like you oh be, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, fair, yeah you have to have a yeah back to understand rick and morty yeah and i think if i could be wrong about this but i i feel like also when the pickle rick episode aired and dr wong kind of just tore into him mm -hmm. um I, I think that created sort of a discussion in the fandom about because you know there were people who were mad at her for like daring to talk to rick that way because rick is you know this amazing cool guy and then there was the other part of the fandom that was like well, no he's like super flawed and he should be called out for it and he shouldn't be like idolized because he actually is this person and um so yeah. i i feel like around around then too it, it, like um the fandom started being more self-aware about Rick yeah and as, as a character <laughs> as as more people watch it you see like the more mainstream like balanced like approach the show kind of wash over all the weirdness and people just like they just like it and they don't they don't focus on the weird like wrong aspects of the show that are not supposed to be looked at like heroic for heroic reasons i i think that coming off of season three especially where beth kind of takes the family back and puts rick in his place coming into season four rick is trying to figure out how not to rock that boat so much but still get away with the normal stuff that he he typically would but he's still reconciling with his place in the universe as well as within his family um and uh that's that's a kind of what we were tracking through season four do you feel obliged? You have 60 episodes coming up. Do you feel obliged to think about the the weight of 60 episodes bearing down on you? Or is it, let's do 10 episodes and worry about the 10? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're 10 episodes at a time for sure. <laughs> yeah. I take, it, I take it 10 at a time. It's, dude, it's, it's like, it's a huge, at working in the animation industry, it's a huge relief, but also like a very heavy weight, you know, knowing I, that we're not going to have to, look for work or get an or get another job or like or you know something bad to happen like knowing that my future is secure for a long time but like it's also a heavy show so thinking about all 70 episodes at once is so overwhelming 
but yeah, this yeah. is a hard and- show to make like in terms of animated series this is this is a, a difficult one a, a very uh rewarding but it's it's yeah it's incredibly daunting if you know anything about animation and then on top of that we just went through an unprecedented time where we were juggling three seasons at once which we've never Mm -hmm. done before um and really put a strain on all aspects of our pipeline if you look uh, at other adult cartoons the thing in chat talks about Adult cartoons and Family well, Guy and Bob. Do you Matt, look at- on HBO Max, they're called edgy cartoons. Edgy cartoons, okay. <laughs> Do you look at The Simpsons, where they were in season three, the other the other big sort of adult edgy <laughs> animated shows? Do you Is it easy or hard to compare yourselves to these? Do you care? Does it matter? I mean, I like, I like lots of adult animated shows. Um, I mean, they they seem fun to me, but it when I look at them, it does seem like a different scale. Like the universe in Rick and Morty is like kind of vast on a like an incalculable level as t- in terms of like what you have to draw. Um, yeah, other shows be- that I worked on were not as vast. What, yeah, what are- and, and just the way that animation productions are now have changed so vastly from the 90s. I mean, the, the way you used to board on paper in the 90s and now we're, you know, doing boards and storyboard pro on a, on a Cintiq screen and in this program that can, you can drop the audio into. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's vastly different than, <laughs> than what it was. And then comparatively, how many backgrounds do we have to com- like compared to your average animated show? I mean, I know that our teams are always like, Hey guys, I mean, uh, <laughs> we're doing 10 times, I feel usually like- 10 times more. I feel I, I'm going to get this number wrong, but like there have been times when it was like 300 and like a lot of shows only have like a hundred yes. per, per wow. show episode. I think we average about 200, which is yeah. high, like extremely high. <laughs> yeah, we had to pull that number down. We started get we started looking at the actual numbers coming in and they were just, they were too high. So we made some smart decisions with, well, you, the board team made some smart decisions. Like Erica, you know about that stuff. Yeah, Erica, how do you streamline that? Like, what's the uh, what's the, the sleight of hand that you do with the camera to reduce? So, so one thing you have to be uh, aware of is backgrounds in in particular. So, if you're if you're reusing a shot kind of over and over, that's only one background that they have to design and paint. But if you're shooting a scene from all these different angles and and um, kind of just like shooting all over the room, then that's, those are all just brand new backgrounds that have to be made. And that just really adds up over time. So when you can, you have to economize your shots and, and kind of, I guess not cheat, but kind of cheat a little where you sort of go back to a shot over and over and over, but maybe you could cut in more or, or kind of cut out a little more. Um, and then same with background characters. Um, we try to reuse our like stock background characters when we can, just so the character design artists don't have to continually uh, make new characters, design new characters, because they're already so overwhelmed with the new characters that we're introducing into the episode. So we reuse when we can. Yeah, I think a lot, like one thing I notice is that sometimes the fans like, 
they'll they'll pick out a character that they've seen before and be like, wow, those things are are we've seen this guy before. It's so interesting that <laughs> this guy exists in this universe as well. Like, are these related? And like, it's like nice to think about, but a lot of times <laughs> the reason is like we have we have an, a big group yeah. of people we like to just reuse all the time, and it really helps economize everything. Yeah. Drawing someone is hard. Yeah, and yeah if, if you can cut back somewhere, certain scenes where there's like police officers or soldiers or something. Yeah, we have we'll soldiers go, and police officers. Yeah, but we'll also check to make sure we didn't kill specific kill yeah. Yeah, yeah, people off so issue. that we can't bring them back. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, because there's always one guy with a speaking line who just got murdered in like a season ago and we don't remember and like, oh, we're like, yeah, we kind of like this design. Can we, let's give this guy some dialogue and he's it's like, this guy's not yeah. alive anymore. Exactly. Have viewers flagged those things? Have, have people pointed those things out to you? And you're like, oh, um, we typically catch it. We're, uh, yeah, our, our, we remember. Our, yeah, our production team is really good at staying on top of that stuff. Yeah, I remember every prop I did, <laughs> and I remember <laughs> if it's like something that was really specific to a certain scene that we cannot use again. And I think every designer remembers all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think eventually it'll get to a point where it's there's just so many and you know there's new people to show and they won't have they won't have remembered this episode or this story <laughs> be and then something will get reused but yeah I will say issue. that um that there are certain incidental like aliens and stuff that we don't use anymore because we use them too much yes. like if if we are reusing these this stock alien character over and over again sometimes uh like Justin Royland will be like i i don't want to i don't want to use that character anymore i don't want to see we've seen him too much so then we'll just kind of x that character out and and he's dead forever we can't use him anymore <laughs> you don't want people to notice too much where it's just like wow they just keep using these same four aliens over and over again brian what was your favorite prop for, that you designed from this episode because i know I, I like your pokeball and uh <laughs> oh and uh, all the all the, the 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 Rick Beth fight items. <laughs> uh, well, don't give me too much credit for that. I uh, I did delegate those to the 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 other people on the prop team. <laughs> uh, we for that episode we had like uh, we one of our prop guys uh, went on vacation, so we got a couple of prop people from Solar, and I had ah. them uh, Bob and Dimitri uh, took care of the Pokeball and the the like laser guns that Beth was shooting. Um, but for me, I did the I did bet like space space Beth's spaceship, <laughs> and that was fun. Um, it, like it had to fly and like rotate, so I also made a three D model for it, and uh, yeah, it came out great. Like the animators used the three D model; it looked really nice. Mm -hmm. um, it looked like the color team made it all cool. It's all red and has like a yellow stripe on it. Did you think uh, some of the new guns in that uh, episode as well? The guns are actually like reuse from other episodes like they're kind of like the guns from the unity episode and we just we just drew more of them okay. uh so that they so we would get all the angles and stuff like that there was a pistol that was new that yeah was and that that weird like grump from my gun that space beth throws to uh domestic oh, beth i did that one yeah okay yeah yeah <laughs> and it explodes yeah, that was a yeah. weird one. Um, that one was like the boards. Uh, 
in the storyboard, you guys were implying that it was kind of like a bug gun with like little yeah. spikes on it. Yeah. And I was, I didn't quite figure out a good way to do that. So I ended up making kind of like, it was supposed to be a gun, but had like a big larva thing on the back end. And it, I don't think it ever quite ended up looking quite right. So it ended up looking kind of mechanical and the whole like bug thing was thrown out the window. It was just a little bit bulbousy on the end, but it needed to do this very specific thing where a laser was supposed to shoot at it. And then it was supposed to like become inflated and explode all over Beth. And then I was never quite sure how that was going to work because it, it looked mechanical, but it was also organic. And then when they finally, when it finally went to color, they made it look like it was like full of like red goo and blood and it just exploded on Beth and it worked really nicely. So yeah. The color team really saved like that one for me. Cause it, I don't know. That was, that gun never quite looked right. <laughs> well, the, I think it turned out great. You're on the line <laughs> with the Rick and Morty companion <laughs> podcast talking about guns. What's going on? Draw a lot color. of guns on this show. Yes. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, Hi. Thank you for taking my question. Um, my question is, um, I think I heard an interview last year, I think with Justin and Dan talking about a tag at the end of season four that's supposed to lead into season five. I was just wondering if that was abandoned because of the rewrites you were discussing. And if so, could you tell us what it is, maybe? <laughs> All right. It's kind of hinted at tag. Has it been abandoned? I feel like there's like an expectation of like Mr. Poopy Butthole is supposed to like tell you something at the end of season four that's really supposed to like connect. They write a Mr. Poopy Butthole mm -hmm. of like him just like in the middle of the Nevada desert on top of a Toyota Tercel just looking up at the stars and opining about like America and stuff, which like thank God because like it's a different whatever, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I know that those they they always talked about the Jerry beekeeping tag as one of their favorites, but I don't I don't quite remember a tag that would have connected to five that we scrapped. Yeah, I mean, how serious how serious are the tags? I you know sometimes they feel like it was something that like really connects to the episode and and was figured out super early on, and then sometimes it's like kind of a last minute thing. I, mean, I feel like they're usually just things that come about organically in the room that make us laugh really hard. Yeah, I, that's my take on it. What do you think, Anne? I'm I'm trying to think of like I know planets only made us. I was try, I'm trying to think of like what was the. Oh yeah, planets only. Uh, train maybe the train tag the the tag of like buy it buy it now merchandise uh go to the website do it kind of a thing. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like what other tags we all. I, mean, I feel I like the tag only tag. serious tag there's ever really been was the Tammy and Phoenix person one, right? Mm -hmm. That I mean, that one was like, oh, you. Ha I hope you saw that. <laughs> yeah, they're not like Marvel post-credit scenes where you're like, you could have missed out on some of the story if you. Yeah. The last couple of seasons have been kind of just really fun. Yeah, I mean, I think if really. there was anything leading into season five, some sort of like overall marvel type storyline it was just in the episode yeah so it's like any like a tag wasn't necessary to like explain that yeah. plus i love the garbage truck <laughs> yeah yeah it's a nice counterpoint to the sad uh such a sad yeah. departure with rick mm -hmm. <laughs> uh selfishly i'm curious about the wrangler jeans 
<laughs> yes, let's hear about that. I want to know about that. Yeah. Walk us through the the genesis of the Wrangler jokes. Um, those came pretty late in the process, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it came from just talking about, like, well, the discussion of Gromphomites and what makes them difficult is that they are so corporate and they are impossible to, like, fully snuff out because they're insects. So they're going to reproduce faster and have bigger numbers and exist in every multiverse. And uh, if they, you know, just talking about like what kind of like dead-eyed corporate kind of stuff could happen. And then just like about Star Wars and the like kind of thought of like, well, Star Wars, we all like the Federation kind of a thing. Or like, well, all right, what would be the fatal flaw in a Death Star? And like, no one's super excited to figure out what is the like sincerely intriguing thing that we can figure out about how to, how to foil this like insidious plan that we're already commenting on being kind of hack in some ways. <laughs> so we just sort of like leaned into that of like, great, it's got a corporate sponsor corporate sponsors wrangler uh yeah yeah i think wrangler specifically though because lane correct me if i'm wrong but the belt was a wrangler junior belt in the script initially i think and that was how we we connected like, those dots over to the jeans uh, and then yeah, like little the belt. Big boy junior. yeah it yeah. says yeah. Like big boy junior on it that's clever i it's like funny. that did the wrangler people need to be contacted about this <laughs> well the wrangler I, corporation there was a there was a joke, I believe, in 404, which is Death Crystal, that revolved around Visine and um, it, it was it was high. It was Weed Rick protesting one of the um, the AI Ricks, holographic um, the hologram Ricks, yeah. And uh, uh, Justin was like, "We should check to see if they would want to throw money and do an integration." before we use them and they were like no we don't want to be a part of this and so <laughs> i think we, we learned our lesson like it's let's just you know it's what brings us joy we don't need to we don't need make to it, make, yeah, it official. <laughs> make it official in general yeah. they kind of let you use names if you don't show branding right except if it's wendy's because that yeah that made a cameo too it's typically all parody you know we're all it's all in good fun I think they got free advertising. I mean, we're talking about it. Like 50 minutes ago, the discussion of the fight was brought up. And I was wondering, uh, when you guys lay out a, a system, a season, did you guys think about that you kind of had two episodes with brutal fist fights one after another? With It seemed like a similar direction from Dan for something to like really feel the punches and the... Even though they're kind of I, different too, of course. I, I don't think we thought about it, and I I feel like Baby Planet was supposed to be earlier in the season based on when we were writing, so they weren't supposed to be back to back. But it, they're two different fights. Baby Planet was written like two drunk dads at a bar just beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> it wasn't about technology. It was just about like it was like a dick measuring contest between two idiots, and that's how we wanted that fight to be. Just punch for punch uh no like seeing rick fight in a way we we typically don't which is him trying to be like this machismo man you know 
You're on the line with the Rick and Morty Companion Podcast Live. What's your question? Hey, uh, what's up? My name's Sean. Um, I was wondering, uh, why did you guys decide to have Rick mix up the tubes and erase his memory? And was that always the plan for that? I think that the question of the like heart of the episode became what happened between Beth and, and Rick in that moment where he said, you can have the universe like Buck, like go and, and, and live or stay and live here. And uh, we talked about having that being sort of Beth's moment of realizing that this is Rick like taking a step back from his responsibilities about caring about even one of his hypotheticals. Like, cause if he gives her an option and then he can make two and forget which one is which and rescind any responsibility of who is the real, then he's fulfilled his fatherly promise without any repercussions and, and it became sort of a discussion that started with that of like her going, no, you should choose where you want me to be and him failing to even do that at all. And that being a really cowardly act of his that she then is able to like just sort of dismiss and move on. Like she's not, that's not her, that's more of his burden to bear. A review I read says, the first and last episodes of the seasons are the only ones that advance the mythology. Is that a coincidence? Is that wrong? Is that accurate? I, I don't think that's true. I think if you could, especially you go back season one, two, even three, we're doing it, it like, it depends on what you're, you're, you're counting as a Canon episode, but you are seeing significant character growth throughout these seasons. Um, and uh, we, you know, clocking that that is part of the canon because your things will change um you're, you know like people are have tracked morty's uh coming into his own and able, being able to somewhat go a little toe-to-toe with rick and get him to cave a little bit on some certain instances um maybe to or definitely to his detriment but um i i there have been canon episodes in, in the middle of some of our seasons. 307, uh, the, 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 the Rick Lantis mix-up uh, was a big canon episode in the middle of the season. I think just for this particular season, they wound up being the bookends. Yeah, and I think that sometimes um, episodes that fans kind of perceive as just filler, we end up calling back to, and it you know becomes part of the canon of the show. So um, even in this I, one, Dr. Wong, you know, I don't know if people think pickle Rick is a canon episode, but it, <laughs> right. it established the family therapist and mm-hmm. he's back in, in a small role in this one, but it's still meaningful. Everyone wants to know when does Rick and Morty season five return? Don't huh. answer that. If, if you know, <laughs> we have no oh, idea. We don't that's, know. That's up to your bosses. I believe. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. make a big announcement my right We're going to announce it right now. Go ahead. <laughs> Rick and Morty season five starts in three weeks, motherfuckers. You get to binge the first 19 episodes of season five on Sunday, September of January of 3rd June. And then guess what? Next month, feature length film. This is an official announcement. I, I think we could say that it's definitely sooner than we typically. I, yes. It'll there be so there won't sooner. be a significant 
uh, a, a huge amount of time, like in yeah. other seasons. What happens now? Give walk us through this last episode aired last night. Yeah. What happens this week? Where uh, where where's everybody now? For us, yeah, for oh, you guys. We we are uh, so grateful that season four has come to a close. It's I, I almost it feels like almost three years, uh, but it's probably closer to two two and a half. Um, but we're all working on season five and some of us season six. So <laughs> there's plenty of work to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm man, actually I'm working work. on a different show at the moment, just because, um, the, the board artists and the directors kind of are usually first in the process. And, um, so we, we kind of like wrap up everything faster than everybody else like Brent and the designers are, are still there but uh I have wrapped on season five so I'm I'm working on something else at the moment and we'll most likely be back when the scripts are all ready <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I'm just I'm continuing working on season five it I never I never took a break and <laughs> just I just rolled it to the next thing I uh there was like planned to be a break like a little bit but we ran late and I, like the yeah. episode that you just watched right now i worked all through christmas break on it was, was killer there. yeah i was there at the office until uh new year's eve uh doing the last drawing <laughs> for props for props and then it it, it goes yeah. to other people because it's a big what? pipeline i want to say we we shipped that most recent script in december <laughs> to make all the changes that from that original animatic so you guys had no time and bardell had no time and everyone worked their asses off to make this show the best that it absolutely could be and i think it it shows it's 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 an amazing episode yeah it came out really nice yeah i i feel very uh uh yeah lucky to work with such Oh my God. Wow. What a dream. Such talented people <laughs> working really, really hard on uh, things that we all care very much about. Hey, well, I mean, we, yes. all, we all love being here. I mean, this is what, and this is my dream to do stuff like this. So they called it incredible, breathtaking, heartbreaking, incredibly fun, an instant classic. Director Erica Hayes, writer Ann Lane, lead prop designer Brent Knoll, esteemed associate producer Steve Levy, Starmort Rick Turn of the Jedi. Morty 410. Did I forget anything? <laughs> no. Uh, I had the garbage truck cameo. Anyone want to plug anything? Uh, Black Lives Matter. Black. Yes. That's, I was Black a, Lives yeah. Matter. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Thanks for coming on. Max, how was that? Was that a good podcast experience for I, you? I think that might have been my favorite, if not my second favorite. What was your first or second? Aside I really that? liked last week's conversation. They work so hard on the show. It's interesting to hear how enthusiastic. I mean, it's not surprising, but it's something nice about how much they all love working on it, how hard they work. Yeah. Anyway, next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, the Adult Swim Summer Showdown. What does that mean? 64 episodes. You pick your favorite episode over the course of the next few weeks. We're going to be whittling them down one by one. What's your favorite Adult Swim show, Max? Oh, that's so hard to say. Uh, Tender Touches? No, I'm not going to say any of no. my own. 
No, I mean, I like tender touches Give a up. Lot. Why are you making it then if it's not your favorite? Well, I feel like, okay, everything I make is my favorite because I need to be super passionate about everything I work on. Yes. Okay. But then I will say either Venture Brothers or Tim and Eric have had the biggest impact on me as a consumer. Well, as a consumer? Wow. Yeah, like, the, like you're I had periods of pharmacist. my life where I cared a lot about them, uh-huh. and I think that means something. This all starts Monday, June 8th, this Monday, 10 p.m. Eastern on the live stream. You can access it on the free Adult Swim app or adultswim.com. The Adult Swim Summer Showdown. And we're going to do a big sort them out. We're going to take 64 episodes. We're going to put them in a place where you can vote on them. And over the next few weeks, we're going to whittle it down, like I said, to one winner. We're finally going to figure out which one's the best because people don't know. Yeah, people don't know. But the people, you, the listener, you're going to decide starting next Monday at 10. Subscribe to the Adult Swim Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'd love to hear from you, adultswimpodcast at gmail.com. We have lots of email uh, in the G-bag, which we'll sort through next week. Thanks to Christina Loringer for producing this episode. Special thanks to Steve Levy, who was just our guest, for organizing all these folks. Great end to season four of Rick and Morty. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. <laughs>